This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, Mike Gelfan, and Andy Brant Bernard. See, we're back. And you know what? It's interesting because I went uh, to uh, all the news sites to check on, you know, what's uh, what's the latest, what's the hottest in the news and all the rest of it. It's, you're going to be surprised. It's all negative. Mm. Whoever heard of it? It's called news. Yeah. Yeah, it's called news. But there's never any good news anymore. It's all bad news. Matter of fact, the two top stories, and I don't really want to get too deeply into them. Police say multiple people have been shot at a high school in Perry, Iowa. Uh, Suspect no. is dead. Perry, Jeez. Iowa. Where the hell's Perry, Iowa? It's not, it's not a very big town, is yeah. it? I don't even know where Iowa is, let alone Perry. Yeah, exactly. Perry, exactly. population 8,000. It's very center of the state. 8,000 people, and somebody decides to go to the school and open fire. Uh. Yep. Uh, what the hell is it with is is it television driving to this? What is drive? Is it? It's got to be social media that drives me to this. Do you think? Yeah, I think it's a combination. It probably varies, you know, instance to instance. But you get yeah. If somebody's you hear about all the time where somebody's bullied on social media mm-hmm. or it's you yep. know yeah it's just yep. mental yeah. and and don't forget access. Yeah, that too, and especially in like I would yeah. assume Perry. Iowa is a small town where there's a lot of hunters and it's, you know, your guns are probably in a yeah, gun safe, yeah. but the key is on top of the gun safe type of thing. And yeah. yeah. Now the next story, the next headline I read, it makes me laugh because you knew this was coming. Can you name a United States president that has never taken millions of dollars from foreign governors when they're president? George Jimmy Washington. Carter. Barack Obama. Jimmy Carter. 
Oh, no, Barack Obama. <laughs> George Washington, he hated foreign governments. Yeah, George Washington <laughs> and Jimmy Carter were the two that I could think of yeah. as well. Also, millions of dollars didn't exist when George Washington was president. All right, so he, only well, he only took thousands. We do have to account for inflation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, $10 back then could have probably bought you a state. Yeah. You know, and we talked about this a, a bit last week and or, or earlier this week as well. But I still don't know who I'm going to vote for because, man, if you watch the news, the two people that are leading the race, one Democrat and one Republican, are the filthiest human beings ever born. If you watch the news, that's what you're going to take away from it. Yeah. So how the hell do you vote for anybody anymore? Right. And well, and then with the list coming out, there were I think Kennedy was on the list, apparently, for some flight he took. And so there's always you mean Bobby Jr. Or? Yeah. Yeah, like he went to, he alleges like South Dakota. Well, I'm not voting for him anymore. Right, so it's like there's always something coming out that makes you go eye roll and don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. Do you think the people who want to be president of the United States just turn out to be not the best people in the world Mm -hmm. anyway? There are a lot of sleazeballs out there. Yeah, there are. And unfortunately, Bobby Jr. is one of them. Is it all about money? The whole thing is about money, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think once you get to the presidential level, it's mostly right. about money and power, whereas where the people that are saying they want to make a difference are going to be more your local elected. Officials. Yeah, I think Bobby Jr. It's about mental illness. I don't think it's about money because that you family know, has enough money. How can you not like a Democrat, Mike? Well, I mean, megalomania is a mental illness, technically. It is. Is yeah, it not? Is. So. Yeah, the whole thing. Here's what I love about that whole situation. Because my mother loved JFK. She thought he was the greatest thing of all time. And I said, Mom, and I was nine years old, by the way. I said, Mom, his family has ties to the mafia in Boston. Well, that's just because it's a Catholic deal. <laughs> and I'm like, we're Catholic. What do you mean by that? <laughs> do we we're have Catholics ties? And we don't have millions of dollars from the mob. What happened? But, yeah, I mean, you look back. You don't have to look back very far to find filth in the presidency. I'm oh, sorry, no. you just don't. No, and it seems right? like you don't, yeah, and it seems like today you don't have to dig as deep to find said filth. It's a lot more of it is all surface level. Well, it's all about making money now. That 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 is the whole deal. Otherwise, people like Joe Biden and Donald Trump wouldn't be attracted to being president unless they no. could make even more money as president. No, if you told Donald Trump or Joe Biden that... Hey, you're going to be president, but it's, you know, going to be, we have a face. Somebody else is going to be the face of the country and nobody's really going to know who you are. It'll be a secret. Yep. They'd be like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be the center of attention. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know what it is with, with Biden. I mean, he's an old man, as is Trump. And, um, you know, why he's, so he's president and that's great. But wouldn't you think that, Four years would be enough at that age. Like, what are you? Are you planning to retire when you're ninety? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a very very good point. Why, and why don't both parties have better candidates than they do? Yeah, that's that's a bigger question. I don't know. I wonder. Is it because as you're trying to become a candidate, they spend so much time tearing each other down? Yeah. Then they get to the point where, well, we just got to go with the guy that has already been elected or that's already the got all the support. And even guys running for president 
don't want to stop running for president, even right. though there's no chance. Like, you know, Ron DeSantis is the classic example. He went mm-hmm. from like, you know, 40 percent in the polls to what, 6 percent or something. Mm-hmm. But I think he's better than that. He's like 11 percent or was. But anyway, but in third place. But like, you know, I mean, the writing's on the wall, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's still there because there's something about it that that I guess churns up his adrenaline. Yeah, I, he dropped behind uh, Nikki Haley now. Nikki yeah. Haley's in second place. Yeah, she's second. Place. Yeah, she's about eleven percent too. She's like fifty percent behind Trump, so she's moving up. Yeah, he's like sixty-seven percent, and she's eleven percent, so it's almost fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure they probably plan on running again in the future, and so they don't want yeah. them to go. Yeah. Well, they gave up last time. Are they going to give up on us again? Type of thing. So. Is there any news organization you can turn to, whether it's a newspaper, a television station, online, whatever, where you'll get the actual news instead of somebody trying to push their candidate down your throat? I mean, I, re- I read the New York Times because it's always been the greatest news. Well, for, for my lifetime, it's been the greatest newspaper in the world. And I still do. I mean, they got thousands of journalists there and and they know what they're doing. And I've known a bunch of journalists from the New York Times. And yeah, they, the journalists themselves, journalism, journalists, journalism attracts people who are wary of authority. That's, that's what the business is all about. So, I mean, for me, that's fine. But for some, some people would say, you know, no, that's their, that means they're, they're leftists and I don't want to have anything to do with them. I don't, I don't see it that way, but then, you know, I was trained as a journalist. But also, you have to admit that most people who work at the New York Times are way far left. I wouldn't say way far left. I'd say most of them are probably kind of classic liberals is what they are. You I think mean, so? Yeah, well, of course. I mean, I, look, I wor- I've worked with, with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of journalists. And you know, some of them were, were, were Republicans. Some of them were kind of in the mm-hmm. far right. Most of them were a little bit left of center. Yeah, because, again, because they had an innate sense of contempt for authority geez i should be i should be a way lefty then because i hate authority more than anybody hey hey i do (laughs) no me more me now no i I grew up in a democratic home and i still have no problem with the democratic party or the republican party Mm -hmm. it's the extremists on both sides that can shove it straight up where the sun don't shine i am sick to death as the extremists running the show i really am you know there's a poll that came out today i think uh about uh, and there's there's a huge huge number of people i think it was like 20 to 25 percent of people you know people who vote who believe Mm -hmm. that the fbi created the january 6th insurrection no wouldn't doubt it well i would doubt it's true but um i don't think i don't think the fbi could do that they don't quite have the authority and power that say donald trump has or other politicians but but to me that's that's it's just scary to me well i have he's not a relative of mine but he's a relative of a a relative of mine Mm -hmm. He absolutely insists that 200 people lost their lives on January 6th. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's like the people who say more people died from getting the, the, getting the COVID shot right. than died from COVID. I mean, these things are all yeah. out there. There's, people will believe anything right. if they hear they it enough. Believe, and I talked to this guy and I said, where do you come up? Two people died. Right. Two. A woman was shot by a cop. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other one had a heart attack. And the cop had a heart attack. Well, there were a lot of you know there were a lot of very serious injuries there, and, and I'm sure mm-hmm. on, on, there, were, there were injuries to everybody. But you know, I mean, you've seen the video of these of these cops getting just beaten the crap out of them. So. Yeah, it's pretty clear that there were some horrible things going on. But if you just mm-hmm. it's like it's like with COVID, you know, if you measure the damage that COVID has done simply by the number of people who died, well it's of course pretty horrible too, what, eight mm-hmm. million so far. But right. that's a fraction of the people whose lives have been changed for for the much worse because of COVID. So yeah, no question so we get it. fixated on on the death toll. I think I think war did that for us. We'd see the death no tolls like uh, during the Vietnam War, which which I of course remember vividly, because I was of draft age. Um, Me when too, Pally. Yeah, and you'd see, every day you'd see you know, U.S. U.S. MIGs, you know the MIG thing, mm-hmm. killed mm-hmm. forty eight, you know, and you'd see that every day. You'd see the death toll, and it was like a battle between whose death toll was the worst. Yeah, what was that like? for Tom and for you, Gail fan, do, going through a draft? Because I couldn't imagine where essentially one day, you know, your phone could ring or there could be a knock at the door and now you're off to go fight at a war that you maybe yeah. don't even want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Scary. Uh, you know, it was always, it was that dark cloud hanging over you. You know, I know, I know I'm sure Tom, you're the same way. When I was in high school, that was something that always kind of hovered over us. Oh, yeah. No question about it. And I, and I, went through the whole, I was drafted into the United States Marine Corps, as a matter of fact. Mm. Then I went in for my physical before I shipped out or just went to where the hell ever I was going. And they found a hernia that I didn't even know I had. They said, well, you, you, we cannot draft you. We cannot keep you in the United States Marine Corps because you have a hernia. So the hernia might've saved your life. It might have. You're absolutely right. Mm. But they said, uh, we can do something, though. Um, if you still want to be a United States Marine, we can uh, repair the hernia for you, but you're going to have to sign up for four years instead of two. Mm. I went, boy, let me, think that over. <laughs> <laughs> let me think that over for a minute, yeah. and I'll get back to you. No, I was Look, 1A. I was 1A when yeah, the, when yep. the, uh, for a couple of years because, you know, I got the college deferment, sort of. But then eventually I think, uh, I think that uh, the fact that I, after – after four years in college, had less than half the credits I needed to graduate. I think that mm-hmm. kind of kicked me off the uh, the deferment list. That was it. So I was called to come in for my physical, but I think it's you know I've always said I'm I'm the luckiest unlucky person in the world, and this was a classic example. So like about a week later, they had the lottery. I don't know if Tevin, you you do you remember but, the lottery? Well, you don't remember no. it, but you've heard no, about it. Like the uh, no. Well, the lottery. What they what they did was they said, okay, we're, this is unfair to draft people. Uh, so we're just going to have a lottery. Oh, so we're just picking names out of a hat, right. essentially. Yeah. So the the higher the higher up you are, the less the, the less chance there was that you'd be drafted. So mm. like if you were like you say number ten, you were going to Vietnam probably. Right. And uh, I was number three hundred and fifty six. Really? Yeah. I was number 27, you pill. <laughs> well, yeah, but look now. Who had the luck now? Yeah. You're the host. <laughs> I'm the okay. third banana. <laughs> oh, karma is cruel. Look, I mean, that was a tough situation because that war started long before I turned 18. Sure, absolutely. And my brother came back from Vietnam, uh, back from the United States Marine Corps when I was about 15, 16 years old. Mm. And he, and look, I love my brother, Terry. Don't get me wrong. But when he left for the Marine Corps, he was Wally Cleaver 
And when he got back, he was not Wally Cleaver anymore. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've known, I've known a number of people who who wound up in Vietnam, and mm-hmm. my brother-in-law would be a classic example. And uh, right. he had, he had, I think he had about eight organ transplants after coming back from his experience with Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was a guy whose life was just shattered. And there were yep. a lot of stories like that. And then death what? toll doesn't tell you how many people had, had limbs amputated, how many people had mm-hmm. almost everybody came back with post-traumatic stress. Yes, they did. Oh, there's no question. PTSD was huge. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Well, I lost four friends in the Vietnam War. Four of my friends were killed. Yeah. And I'll never forget the first one. I don't want to say the name of the family because watching his father pass out on on the church floor Mm. he was so stressed out he just started crying and then fell he passed out and fell down so i walk up to say my final goodbye the guy's first name was joe i don't want to say his last name but they put his marine corps cover on they call it a they don't call it a hat Mm -hmm. uh they call it a cover in the marine corps you could still see the bloody spot where the bullet went through his head i mean you'd have you didn't have to look real hard to see that that was really a um, little makeup on a on a bullet hole. And you'd think we would learn something from that because honestly, it was all for nothing. Nothing, yeah, nothing was. was achieved. Everything was negative. But you know, we'll just same thing will just keep happening. We're always at war with someone. We we certainly are. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm really, I was very, very glad just, you know, that Andy never had to go through any of that stuff. Tevin, you're never going to have to go through that stuff either. It was pretty terrifying to tell you the truth, but I always tell the story. I've told it many times. And I'll tell it again. There was a very large, probably 19 year old black man in front of me in line for all the checkups and all that stuff. So he has to do his, uh, put your hands on your knees and bend over for the anal check. Uh. <laughs> Right. And so they're doing the anal check on the guy in front of me. And the guy says to him, you know, uh, I got to be honest with you. You should you should be a lot cleaner up there. And the guy looks up a 19 year old kid looks up and he goes, what you expect to find up there? Ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I will never forget that as long as I live. Uh, Really? Oh, God, it was unbelievable. I think that 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 was like the Reader's Digest military humor. Yeah, military humor. Oh, I used to love humor in uniform. Sure, humor in uniform. That was it, yeah. Humor in <laughs> uniform and the Reader's Digest. Yeah. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Father, with my Bryant 
Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabanco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But no, that was, people should understand from the time you were about, about 14 or 15 until you finally found out what your uh, future was looking like. That was a very scary five, six, seven years. It really was. I was, I was 18 and I was working at the Minnesota Daily and I was kind of, you know, hanging out with the different, different people than maybe I hung out with in high school. Um, and, um. My, I always, my shelter there was always to go into the back room, which was the arts and entertainment room, yeah. where, where patchouli oil was mainly the main odor back there, you know, covering up the pot. And um, the guy, one of the guys, he, the guy who was, I think, 20 or so, he, he, he was called in for his physical, and we were all pretty nervous about what was going on there. He came back, and, and somebody said, well, well, geez, Ray, how'd it, how'd it go? He said, oh, that's great. He said, and they said, well, you know, what's going to happen? Are you going to get drafted? He said, hell no. I just came in. I told him I was gay. They wrote me off. <laughs> after, after that, five different people who worked for the arts and entertainment section went in and said they were gay. <laughs> it's like, this is the Not easiest thing in the world. You don't have to burn your draft card. That is so amazing, though, thinking back that it was just 60 years ago and it was a horrible thing to be gay. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's you're gay. You can't, you can't fight for this country. You're gay. Because <laughs> you're gay. You can't do it. While sitting here talking to you guys, the number one story, uh, like I said in the Star Tribune, was Donald Trump received millions from foreign governments as president. Mm-hmm. That now has been pushed to the side. The main story now is complaint alleges Dean Phillips' presidential campaign illegally coordinated with Super PAC. Now they're going after everybody. Mm-hmm. Today. Super PAC coordination. That is that a felony? I guess I, I guess you're not supposed to if you're running for if you're running for office you can't directly talk to people who are in charge or have anything to do with the super PACs. Well it's illegal for now, but I'm sure in a few years' time we'll have super duper PACs and it won't be illegal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. The complaint accuses Phillips campaign of illegally coordinating with a PAC started by his former advisor, Steve Schmidt. The campaign calls a complaint baseless. So they're saying this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. So why is 
why is that even the lead story in a newspaper if they can't even prove that it's true? It's uh, people I, I I really don't know. Uh, I always, when I read those stories, I always stop reading after the quote from the person who's accused. The quote, yeah. the quote that says, I'm looking forward to being acquitted in my day in court. And then I stop reading. And <laughs> you don't read. Because, I, you know, I've met Dean Phillips a couple of times. He asked me to endorse him when he was running for office, and I did. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard from him since because he's a politician. Yeah. So when they could do a favor for a politician, they will never even bother to call you back. Never. It just doesn't happen. But I like Dean Phillips. I don't know him really well. I like the time I spent with him. Mm-hmm. I, why do people not like him? He's a very likable guy. I don't know. He, he certainly is a centrist. I mean, you wouldn't yeah, like him right. otherwise. That's not true. I hate, well, it's true. I do hate you. I just remember <laughs> that. I forgot. I forgot that part of it. No, I just, so you go from the former president who's received foreign uh, money to uh, a local guy, Dean Phillips, who, uh, well, he, he's a Democrat, but he's a very centrist Democrat, no question. Mm. All of a sudden, he's being accused of doing something just horribly illegal. And Steve Schmidt says, well, that's not true. It's completely baseless. Right. So what is the truth? Can we tell what the truth is anymore? No, not initially, no, because people are just want to be first with something. Right, and then, and then people won't believe the truth when it comes out. Yes, yeah, so you just put the headline out first, and then you hope you can find the facts later. I suppose that's one thing I will say about Dean Phillips is that he's definitely has the money to run for president. There's no question about that. <laughs> he's not well, well he's, he has the money to sort of get started. Yeah. yeah. These days, I mean, what, what it would take, but I'm, I'm bitter about him because he closed his, uh, his coffee shop in Linden Hills where you could get Dairy Queen type ice cream for, you what? know, yeah. Well, you know, he had, he had a couple, a couple of coffee shops at least around, around the Twin Cities. He may have had more than that. But they didn't, uh, the one in Linden Hills didn't quite make it through the pandemic. I love to, Lind- I like Linden Hills. See, that's a, now see, that's a very far left area, but I love that area. Yeah, it tends but to be. It's a, well, it's a liberal, you. yeah. I mean, those aren't people who you'd see marching in the street on behalf of, no, of no. Hamas, you know. So it's a little different. But yeah, I mean, they're a different breed. Um, the the thing I used to play, my son and I would play tennis a lot. There was a really nice court in in the Linden Hills area. Oh, absolutely. And um, but um, but you could never get through you could never get through a game, let alone a set, without a, without someone's dog running onto the tennis court. I mean, there are more dog there are more dogs per capita there than there probably were in Germany at the height of World War Two. You know what's so funny about this? You just brought it to my attention something I haven't thought about in a long time because I grew up a Democrat. Uh, I suppose I was liberal-leaning as a Democrat. I was never too far right or too far left, but I uh, went along, and and it was it was uh, Dave Hamilton and one other guy that, that decided to take the show conservative. And I said, well, you know, I'm a Democrat. He goes, yeah, well, you know, it's, well, I want to take – it's, you know, you got to follow my, my word. You got to take the show conservative. And he was right. The ratings went through the roof. But the shit I've been catching since that, it was like I was the one who changed the entire world. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Uh, the guy, the, my boss wanted me to do something. I suppose I could have said, no, I'm not doing it. But it really didn't matter. I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal, to tell you the truth. Remember that, Mike? I think it's just sort of got out of hand. Uh, you know, I, I think that 
I think a little vigorous discourse could only have helped. But um, but I think I think it just kind of blew. I, I I knew things had gotten out of hand the day that Ann Coulter came on the show, and uh, I'll tell you, I mean she she just took down the house. I mean everybody, anything she said, like I said, I made some comment to her. It was just something sort of. It wasn't that big a deal. It was just mm-hmm. something like, you know, you're like Hitler with slightly better legs. It was something like that, you know. <laughs> Not that big a deal. And then she said something like, and I didn't get a laugh, but she said, then she said something like, so do you. And everybody exploded in laughter. And that's the oh, day I realized I was baby. in trouble. <laughs> you no, was, baby. Well, there was a lot of that stuff. I mean, it just people got, just everybody, everybody, including me, just went off the deep end because of that, and it, I always felt like it didn't have to happen. And, it didn't and, have to. And now we see what now you know, that was just a microcosm, unfortunately, of a lot of the things we're seeing today. Not on this well, show, it, but just in the general discourse. No, Who's I, there in the I middle anymore? It it was not necessary to do it because it already was the highest rated show in America anyway. And I used to, and friends of mine. I mean, people who. I wouldn't say they were A-level friends, but B-level friends, you know, the kind of people who will not, not ever be there when you need them, would come up to me and say things like, well, how can you be on that show with, with all those conservatives? And, I, mm-hmm. and I'd say, uh, well, because, you know, some of them are my friends. So I, I'm making money. I need to you support know. my family. Yep. But more than anything, like why if 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 I was the lone liberal on the show, I don't think I was, but no. Um, but even if but even if I was, I mean, why would I not want to be on the show? Why would I not right. want my voice heard? So, well, the reason so people just got out of on, hand. I'm sorry, it got out of hand, and what you know why it got out of hand? Yeah, I kind of do. Because it didn't take very long before the entire Democratic Party turned on me like a son of a bitch. They yeah, well, turned on me like there was no tomorrow. Well, and then we went. Oh, okay. You want to do that? Okay. Well, let's go. We'll yeah. Have a bath. Well, yeah. And I mean, I had I had Republicans turning on me. That's for sure. Absolutely. No, but, absolutely, you did. But it's just you're right. I mean, it it didn't. It just there was no reason. The show was the show was doing fine. And then I think eventually yep. people thought, well, you know, they're not really. And this this one, I always felt a lot of guilt for this one, which was that you know we weren't really, at least for me, I'd found myself in a in a spot where I wasn't really being very entertaining anymore, you know? And I thought you were, well, I did too, but, um, but the, you know, it would have been better if, if we could have just focused mostly on entertainment. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, Which I mean, you, like you just said it, we, we kind of weren't at a time because we were just pushed in that direction. Right. And then also yeah, no- with you saying like, you want to focus on entertainment or being entertaining. It's like, well, then the listeners also have to understand that's what, news programs are that's what radio talk shows right. are it's not a they're here to entertain you or bring you some some news it's it's a, more or less a bit it's not every not everything has to be so serious we got to get our pitchforks out yeah it was no. it was it was a tough time uh within a great a great for me 25 years there was mm-hmm. like two bad years out of 25 so it really yeah. wasn't yeah. in the long run it wasn't such a horrible thing oh i'm still carrying it with me to this day i no, still I get too. asked about that yeah i do too yeah. It's just it. It should have never happened, and that's all there is to it. But that's you know what, the management and the ownership wants you to do that. I suppose yeah. you better make make a choice of what you're gonna. I just didn't think people would ever take it that seriously. Yeah, it's a morning radio show. Right. I know it was the highest rated morning show in America. I understand that, but 
I mean, the immediate thing that bothered me, and that's why I went at it so hard for a couple of years, they, the powers that be on the far left, I was immediately a homophobe and a racist. Immediately. What, they called you like, a homophobe? Yeah, I know. It's That's hard to joke. believe, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. There needs to be a documentary, I feel like, about the heyday of KQ. Because even before I started working at the House of Comedy and bringing comedians in, like, I mean, I'd known about the KQRS morning show and stuff like that. Like our bus driver used to listen to it every day on the ride mm-hmm. into school, but it right. didn't like resonate with me on like how big of a deal uh-huh. it was until I started telling people like, Oh yeah, I get to go, you know, hang out with this guy. Maybe you've heard of him, Tom Bernard. And it'd be like, Oh, like Tom Bernard, Tom Bernard. And like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, you know, to, and to this day, you can just, you know, you just know when someone is a listener, or at least used to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like like a few years ago. It wasn't a long time ago. It was like maybe six years ago. I, Max, my middle son, and I, uh, he helped me out when I, I had to take this, this huge, like, old-fashioned vacuum cleaner in to get fixed. Oh, I love those. So we walk in the door, and I see there's, we're, you know, there's one customer ahead of us, and I see the guy behind the counter. And the guy is about, he's about 60 years old, wearing a baseball cap, uh, and uh, has a, a twin sweatshirt on. And I turned to Max, and I said, he's one of us. And Max <laughs> said, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And I said, you just wait and see. He's one of us. And we get to the counter, you know, and he looks up at me. He says, you're stretch. You know, it's like, I go. always know when, there, when, when someone was a listener, at least back then. And it's kind of comforting. One thing I'd like to throw out at people uh, is, do you think Mike Gelfand and I would still be friends if I was seriously that far right? No. You you would have never kept me as a friend. There's no way. vice versa. It's it's true of both of us. If we had, I mean, yes, I am a liberal. I acknowledge I'm a liberal. I will always be a liberal. It's in my DNA. It's, It's nature and it's nurture. But mm-hmm. um, but but you're right. I mean, it, it would have been tough if like we don't we don't we don't sit around after the show arguing about politics. No. Uh, why would we? It's because we are friends. We've always been friends. And, you know, in those two years, we were still friends. But but it's still there was a lot of acrimony. But, there you know, the, the point yeah. is the point about friendship is that you get through that. Mm-hmm. You know, all friendships are tested at some point. Yeah, that's very true. And what I would tell the, the press, television, radio, and newspapers, why don't you let it ride out for a while before you attack someone immediately? Let the thing ride out and see, is this real? Is this fake? What's it, is it about getting more ratings? I mean, yeah. what is this really about? They never even waited one day well, to let it I ride mean, out. Well, I that's, mean, that's, that's the nature of news. It's, uh, it you, is. You yeah. got a lot of people who are... I never understood the competitive thing when we used to, you know, there used to be a Minneapolis Tribune in the morning, which I worked for. Minneapolis right. Star was in the afternoon. And those Minneapolis mm-hmm. Star people, they would kill to get their story in before my story no would get in. You know, no we, we were covering the same things. And I never understood it. It's like, I'm sorry, but you can have your scoop. What I want to do is I want to write the best written and the most intelligent story. And if you beat me by 12 hours, I don't give a shit. No, I agree. If I'm writing a good story, you'll read my good story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, I just, I, I really wish that people would lay back and say, you know, you got your political opinion good for you. Other people live different lives. They don't have the same stuff going on that, that a lot of, and again, I would, I would point at them and say, you hurt my family. Did you even think about that when you, you just turned on me overnight like that? Calling me these horrible, you hurt my son, my daughter, my wife. Yeah. Is that okay with you? Yeah, no, I mean, and, and uh, like, I remember I didn't, I, I obviously you were in, you were on the front lines and you took all the flack. Yeah. And uh, which I appreciate. And people would say to me, well, do you want to host a show someday? I'd say, well, I don't know. I kind of like it in this position. I it's, like this spot. Yeah, this is just fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm supporting my family. And yeah. But I do remember one day there was a story. I don't remember what the story was about, especially. But there was a story in the in the in like, it must have been in the Star Tribune. And um, the story, the story was about it was about the, the, they talked about the morning show. And then the the writer of the story said that i was the one who was to blame for all the uh, all the the bad vibes coming out of the morning show first really oh yeah i mean it didn't say me specifically it what it actually said was it said the you know it was the um the cast or something like that you know oh the cast no, yeah, okay. yeah but but i'm i take that kind of personally right because mm-hmm. i am a part of that and um I will have to say that was probably the worst thing in all those years that ever was ever written sort of about me in the media. And yeah. I didn't take it well. No, you're not going to take it well, but it's just, can people be a little bit understanding? It's like, well, why did this happen? What made it happen? At least once you find out the cause of that big change. Right. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And, and yep. it's just, it's too much for, for most people to, to really go that deep writing a story it's it's um you know the the instinct is just to write what the easiest story you can yeah but it harms people when you do that oh, sure. why would you do that mm. well i guess they figure that i don't part of it is just that they they think it's their job and two they uh, there's no pressure especially now when there are so few journalists left there's not a lot of pressure to actually get to the root of a story, to actually talk about the, what's oh, going no, on behind the scenes. You're right. They couldn't give a rat's ass. One thing I, to close this the whole conversation, I would uh, tell you one of the one of the sweetest moments of my life, a very dear moment to me. Uh, all that stuff came out, and I was at this, and I was that, and I was horrible, and oh my god, it was just terrible. I got a call from Philip Wise, and he said, "Would you pick me up?" And I'm in the Byerly's parking lot over there in Golden Valley. I said, yeah, sure. So I drive up and Philip gets in the car and he's looking out the side window. He's looking to his right. I'm behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. And and he just goes, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Remember when he used <laughs> sure, to do that of all course. time? He go, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. He said, Man, I can't do this. I cannot, I cannot listen to this anymore. I am going to come on your show. I said, You you want to appear on the show? He goes, No, no, no. I'm gonna come on the show all the time. <laughs> And I said, what do you mean? And he turned to me and he was crying. Philip uh, Wise, one of the toughest wow. men I've ever known, was crying. He said, man, I can't listen to what they're saying about you. I can't do it. Hmm. So of all of that stuff that happened over that whole period, like it, to tell you the truth, if TV, radio and, and the newspapers would have ignored it, and the reason they didn't was because of the money, the ratings. We were taking all that money away. That's the real reason this happened. You know that, right? Well, I mean, to some extent, that's always going to be a thing. 
but yep. but you have to understand another thing, and that there's plenty of incentive for for journalists, whether it's TV, newspapers, whatever. There's plenty of incentive mm-hmm. for them to um, to write the kind of things that that they that they did about you, you know, because it, they know they're going to get good readership from that. Oh yeah, it's going to stir up a lot of stuff. But in the newspaper business, at least you know, back when I was in it, and I'm sure it's still true today. You know, you don't you don't have any idea who's selling the ads. Nobody ever says yeah. to you, yep. you know, you can't do this because we won't be able to get advertised. That never ever happens. That's like no. the, that's like the first commandment is no interaction. It's it, but in radio, of course, it's totally different. In radio, you work with the with the ad people. I had, right. to, get, I had to get used to that, and it was it was good because I got to know people like Pat Eberts. I know. And a matter of fact, we, I, I would not mind spending a couple of minutes on that. But, but, but what I'd like to say is as bad as it got for that couple of years when people blah, blah. And I, to this day, have people that will not talk to me because of those days. Yeah. They still won't talk. Oh, to me. you know, I, I, I get the same thing. Yeah. But that day with Philip was so special to me. If that's what caused Philip to come to me yeah. and show me how much the man loved me and I loved him. Yeah. That was worth it. I mean, if I have to put up with this bullshit the rest of my life, it was worth it because I came became an even greater friend of Philip Wise. And now, now he's in Las Vegas, taking in Big the sun. Shot. Yeah, damn it! Big shot. You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful. Someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you. Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. What I'm trying to say to people is no matter how negative and how bad things get, look for the good things that came from it. Yeah. You and I have been friends since day one of all that stuff. Before then, you know, before the show. Well, I mean, before, yeah. Before the show. Absolutely. It was before the show. Yeah. But I mean, our friendship uh, has been, you know, held in high regard by me. I don't know about you. Oh, but, absolutely. You know, yeah. But now that the Philip Wise of the world and all the rest of it. So I, I really wish that people would cut back on their anger now on the far right and the far left stop being so pissed off because people don't agree with everything you say, look for the, what good could come from this? Cause there's always something good that comes from everything. No matter how bad it is, something good can come from it. Except mm-hmm. the one thing I will say that pisses me off to no end. There are still people that deny the Holocaust ever happened. Well, that's, how that's... in the hell do you, do you believe that? Well, I mean, denying the truth is a big thing now so you got to believe that that that's gonna there's going to be a surge in that now that people realize that it's okay to believe things that are positively false yeah used to be that there was some stigma to that but not anymore 
So, Mike, why did it happen? Why do people, they know what they believe is bullshit, but mm -hmm. they believe it anyway. I don't think they do, but know they that it's bullshit. It, it doesn't make any sense. Why would they believe it if they knew it was wrong? I mean, pretty much every thing has people who believe it never happened. Look at the moon landing. Moon landing never mm, happened. That's right. Never happened. Uh, right. Most Japanese people don't believe anything that happened in China ever happened. Um, pretty much any of the Balkan states, they've all done some horrible thing to one another at some point in history, but they'll, they'll all say, no, we never did any of that. Yeah. Well, the moon, <laughs> landing, the moon landing was kind of a fluke. You know, that was like anybody who said it, that, that it never happened, they were, they were either joking or really on the fringe. Now... It's just an everyday thing to deny things, to deny exactly. science. Exactly. It's just like, you know, people, a lot of people, they'll deny things that are popular just because that's what they do. Right. They're, they're called yeah. contrarians, and well, that's just what they do. To some extent. Yeah, right. And contrary, being a contrarian is, is a good thing because mm -hmm. that sort of gets you into the whole business of a Socratic dialogue. Yeah. But this isn't that. This is, uh, this is people who... I mean, at, at the heart of most of this stuff is is a deep hatred. Yeah. Or to be a like a larger part of a larger conspiracy where, you know, they lied to us about X, Y, Z. And this is why yeah. the mm -hmm. government is doing this or this is why so and so. is. Well, there's that. usually right. a lot of overlap between yeah. like the whole, you know, Bigfoot moon landing. Right. That sort of thing. It's yeah. like if the government's hiding one thing, then why wouldn't we believe they're hiding everything? Basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, because there's some things that you can see. For yourself, you know, like um, that, that it wouldn't take long to figure out, like it wouldn't really take very long to figure out that eight million people didn't die because they got the covid vaccination, for example. That should not be a hard one. But people want to believe that mm -hmm. they want to believe that millions of people, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know, he's got a big fan base largely because he says that covid vaccination was more dangerous than covid. Well, you know, maybe it was for him. <laughs> well, something happened. It's we lived experience. You can't discount it. No. Well. Uh, <clears throat> our third top story since this show started, we've had the uh, foreign countries uh, gave Trump a bunch of dough during his presidency, and then that was taken over by Dean Phillips, mm -hmm. uh, was playing uh, behind the scenes, playing dirty pool behind the scenes. Now what's taken over is the number one story. Harvard crisis signals broader fight over what a university should be. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, because it's now it's a political battle. Yep. Yes. It didn't need to be a political battle. You know, there could have been many things that both sides would have agreed on, you would think. But it, it can't happen because the, po the politicians take over the whole thing. So that's, that's where we're at. Hey, I, I did want to say something about, about Pat. I know, oh, yeah. I know, I know, I know you've to. talked about him, but Pat Eberts are, was the, I, I would have to say he was probably the most successful uh, ad, ad salesman, radio ad salesman in, in certainly in Minnesota. Um, no doubt about it. But he was more than no that, problem. obviously. I mean, Pat and I were friends going way back, you know, when, to really when he first started working at, at the, uh, at the radio station. At the Q? At the Q. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, he Pat died, what was it, about 10 days ago, two weeks ago? I can't remember. Christmas night. Yeah, Christmas night, yeah. 59 years old, and he had a heart attack and died in his sleep. And um, But Pat was, 
Pat was a kind of a special friend of mine. You know, for one thing, I used to I used to keep him awake on his 90-minute journey at 2 in the morning from Minneapolis <laughs> to right. St. Cloud. He knew I'd be the only one of his friends who was still awake. So he'd call me, yeah. and we'd talk for 90 minutes. I'd keep him awake. And, uh, and we worked together. You know, we did a bunch of videos together for clients. And it was so much fun. Pat, of course, having, having been a morning guy himself, never got over that urge, of course, to, to be on like again. And right. so when we did vi- videos, he'd say, well, I can, I can play this part. I'd say, no, Pat, I'm talent. You're, you're sales. This is not going to happen. Yeah, and go. he'd laugh and he'd, you know, he'd give me the little jab on the shoulder. But he, Pat was a fascinating guy. And, and I, got, I was lucky because I got to know his mother a little bit. Yeah. And his mother was incredibly smart. You know, from his dad, he got that work ethic. I'm not saying his dad mm-hmm. wasn't smart, but right. his dad owned dry cleaning shops in Jamestown. And I, I, I think it's probably safe to say his dad quartered the dry cleaner market in Jamestown. Kind of, <laughs> that, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, right. and back in the day when people went to dry cleaners, it's hard to, hard to kind of, you know, get that. It's hard to understand that now, but that was his dad. And his mom, his mom today... If, if his mom had been born 20 years later, she would have been a very successful doctor. There's no yeah. question. But, yeah, it, but because right she wasn't, she turned out to be a very successful nurse. And um, But she was brilliant. And Pat kind of got a little of both, you know. And, but Pat, I think Pat just worked himself to death is what happened. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, he fell asleep in his chair. He had to use a CPAP to yep. sleep. Mm-hmm. And he fell asleep in his chair without the CPAP, and that's apparently what caused the heart attack. Yeah. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Pat was the kind of guy, because I've known Pat for 20 years, sure. thank God, forever. Um, when he told management over at the queue that he was leaving, you want to hear the genteel thing that was said to him when he told them he was leaving? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like it. You're not going to like it. One of the people said, and I quote, and I can't say exactly what they said, but I'll do a shorter version. They said, Pat, you just effed us up the ass. Well, I guess that's it's a compliment. That's the ultimate yeah, that's, backhanded compliment, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <It's> like, <well. laughs> Why would you say that to someone who's leaving anyway? Yeah, and, Why would you do yeah, that? And the guy who brought so much revenue to that station. Oh, God. And to this show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I had people at Hubbard because they didn't know Pat all that well and when he came over. Because Pat could drive people nuts. Oh, no it, that was a specialty, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at Tevin going, yes, he <laughs> oh, did. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that Pat was such a, like, well-known, like, rock star salesman. I, I know, everyone. Just a handful of times. Yeah. So, everyone knew him, apparently. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. had uh, Jim uh, just sent a thing into the... Uh, podcast line uh, many businesses benefited from his ex- expertise in media including mine well-respected mm-hmm. member of the saint cloud community there you go yep yep pat eberts was a very very and, and mike and i are good friends too his twin brother yep. who was a very successful is a very successful doctor um of course pat eberts was my wife's third cousin oh i so didn't that know that. One. yeah i never knew it either until it, it was like wait a second mm-hmm uh, Don Brandt, who was who was Catherine's father, and Glory, 
who was Pat's grandmother, mm-hmm. were cousins, and they spent a lot of time together. Glory and Don spent a ton of time together up in North Dakota, and uh, I found out later that Pat was uh, was related to my wife. Hmm. So I tried to get rid of him, but it right. didn't work. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, you know, yeah. No, no I Pat, mean my kids. I told my kids uh, that Pat had died, and and uh, and uh, they were really sad to hear it because my kids even got to know him. Oh, absolutely. And I tell you what, it wasn't just that. Ian Punnett died about four days before Pat did. Another legendary morning show and afternoon show announcer, mm. worked coast to coast. Ian Punnett was one of the brightest, nicest people you'd ever want to meet. We used to have him on the, the family show once in a while. Ian would come on mm-hmm. the family show and just a great guy. So to lose two legends in the business within a four or five day period, that was tough, mm. man. Yeah, that was very difficult. But uh, yeah, I do miss Pat. But I, I did love because uh, Pat came over with me to Hubbard. He, we both left the queue and he came over and I told everybody, look, he's not only a good, good friend of mine, but he's a relative of my wife's and blah, blah, blah. So they would always come to me and, and AJ went through a period like that, which was, uh, Tevin, you know this, right? Yeah that Pat would drive him no. crazy. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> he was a very strong, like oh. Pat was a fan of the show. So when the first time I met Pat, we were going to the state fair and we're on like the, we're waiting for the oh, bus. Yeah. And he just started talking to me as if we had known each other for years. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, Oh, sorry. I'm Pat Eberts. And you know, I like, I've, I've listened to the show, whatever, do sales. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea who he was, but he, yeah. you know, was very nice to me. And yeah, he, anytime he called you on the phone, it, whatever if it was something like oh hey we need to do this for an advertiser and then it was you know 15 minutes of but, but whatever he, was on his mind like but here's he was, the litmus <laughs> test here's the litmus test did he tell you the jimmy stewart story the jimmy stewart story? Oh, I don't jimmy know. stewart there you go you, you remember that story tom I, mean, I do you need to tell it though well I, you can tell it better than i can i'm sure nope you're up well because because i i remember bits and pieces of it, but he was he was he was in la um and uh, he was, I think he was, he was with, he was probably with the KDWB folks, right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. And so, <laughs> he, but he was on one of these tours, you know, where they have the celebrity map and they tell you, you know, well, in this home, half of it's probably not true. Mm-hmm. But the part about Jimmy Stewart was true. It really yeah. was where Jimmy Stewart lived. He gets yep. out of the bus. Was it a bus he was in? It was, yes. Gets out of the bus, goes up to the door, rings the doorbell. <laughs> And the butler answers. Now, Jimmy Stewart at the time is what, maybe 90? He's in 90, a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. And, but that doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't mean, you know, Pat is not going to shy away from something like that. <laughs> he says, Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Mr. Stewart. And, uh, you know, I wonder if he, uh, I wonder if he'd be willing to just chat with me for a few minutes. And the butler kind of gives him a dirty look, but the butler disappears, mm-hmm. comes back in a minute, pushing Jimmy Stewart's wheelchair. Oh, and they have a, a great chat and uh, only Pat could do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's absolutely true. And Jimmy I, Stewart, I just, Jimmy Stewart, I think, said something. Now, wait just a minute. Uh, you got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Would five dollars do the job for you? I'll give you five dollars today just to go away. 
Well, it's a good way to wrap up the show, Mike, because we will miss Pat Eberts for a long time. Mm. It was very, very difficult when his twin brother, Mike, and I would be on the phone over the last week or so. And he would, you know, burst into tears every damn time. And and I know why, because he was he and Pat were very close. Yeah. And Mike is a great guy, a very giving guy, just like Pat was. Yeah. I really wish people would understand the Eberts brothers gave a lot to people. They didn't have to do it. They took care of people. It was really something to watch and not a lot of people know about that no and you imagine what i mean you lose a brother which i of course have in the worst possible way and me too yeah and it's not like it's not like you know people say well well you know i I just i just i just need to move on and i always say no you're not gonna move on you're gonna go on but you're not gonna move on you will grieve forever and imagine being like you know your your identical twin dies i mean that's got to be that's a pretty personal thing is, is it's just mm-hmm. everything. It's just everything that, that just will, you know, cause you to grieve forever. They're going to take them, uh, what the sock center. Yeah. I know. Yep. There's a visitation in sock center and then they're going to go, he's going to be buried. And I believe Jamestown, North Dakota, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But Pat, we miss you. Uh, even the people that I used to have to defend you to will miss you. <laughs> Because Pat, Pat could be an amazing oh, yeah. pain in the ass. There's I, no doubt about it. I did a lot of work with him for Walzer, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and he was frenemies with everybody at Walzer because he was oh, yeah. constantly yep. nagging them. And I remember yep. one day, one of the one of the big shots at Walzer were 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 out shooting a video, and uh, Pat's walking behind us, and the Walzer guy says, you know, he says, Pat, Pat is the greatest salesman I've ever known. Mm-hmm. How do I get rid of him? we could close with that that's a good closer we will talk to you tomorrow